0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now, with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: As you know, have you been with us? Paul has been defending and fighting for the truth of the gospel and the truth of the gospel of grace. There were these men known as Judaizers coming behind Paul's ministry and telling the Galatian Christians that Paul was giving them half-truth, that yes, you must believe in Jesus, yes, grace is good, but you also need to be circumcised, they said, and that you also need to keep the laws of Moses in order to be saved. Well, in chapter 2, verse 21, Paul said, We cannot set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Paul is simply saying, Listen, if at the end of your life you stand before God and your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then Christ died in vain. And isn't that true? I mean, think about it. If good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell, then Jesus died for nothing. That's what Paul says. Well, then here in chapter three, Paul begins to ask them a series of five questions. You want to notice question number one in verse one. Paul says, go ahead and look at it. Paul says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed? O oh, foolish Galatians. You know, Paul was not Mr. Nice guy. You know, we get the impression that Paul was like man full of grace and he was Mr. Nice Guy and, you know, he just was like full of spirit. You know, Paul was, Paul would, Paul was not politically correct. Did you know that? Paul says, you foolish Galatians. He wasn't trying to he was be pol- politically correct. He was straight. You foolish Galatians. Here are some, listen to some of these other translations, how they read verse 1. In the New English Bible... It says, you stupid Galatians. In the Amplified Bible, I think it lives up to its name. It says, oh, you poor, silly, thoughtless, unreflecting, and senseless Galatians. I can't even say that again. It's so many adjectives. The Phillips translation, it says, oh, you dear idiots. (laughs) You know, Paul wasn't politically correct. Paul was straightforward. You know what? We as Christians, people nowadays are so politically correct. I, I don't even know what people are saying anymore. I mean, really, you don't even know what people are saying because they're being so politically correct. Paul was not politically correct. Paul says, you foolish Galatians, or literally, you empty-headed Galatians, who has bewitched you or who has cast a spell on you that you should not obey the truth whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified. Paul says the truth of the gospel was clearly betrayed and plainly and openly taught to you. It was clear. The gospel was clear. The gospel should be clear. Pastor, leader, Sunday school teacher, church person, trash person, whatever you do in church, Christian, when you share the gospel, it should be clear. It should be so clear that a child can understand it. That's what blessed me about Friday night. I believe that what the Lord put on my heart to say was clear enough that children could come and respond to it. That blessed me because the gospel should be clear enough where children understand it, where a 12-year-old can understand the terms and the conditions of salvation. It should be clear. And so often we, we, we have so many words, you know, this morning I'm preparing for church and and I'm, you know, brush my teeth and I like to watch. I don't know why I do this, but I, I turn on Christian television and brush my teeth, get ready for church. And I'm hearing this guy preaching and he's using words that are just like, I mean, I don't even know what they mean. And the and, and, and people are not responding, you know, some of our church. The people aren't, you know, yes pastor, yes, yes, you know, they're not they're not really they don't they don't understand. They just don't understand. He goes, "Oh, y'all don't y'all don't y'all don't know what I'm saying. Y'all not with me." I'm like, "You're right. They're not with you because they don't know what you're talking about." They have no idea because the gospel's not clear. The gospel should be clear enough where a child can understand it. Where a 12-year-old can understand it. That's why children love to be around Jesus. The gospel was simple. You know, somebody once said the gospel is profoundly simple and simply profound. It's deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. That's the gospel. It should be simple, easy to be understood and clearly explained. And so Paul says, you empty-headed Galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, that you should go back to the Mosaic law, that you should go back to the Old Testament system, that you should go back under legalism. And notice this. I found this interesting. First time I saw this. Notice what Paul calls legalism. He calls it, verse 1, foolishness. He calls it sorcery and he calls it disobedience. Sorcery, witchcraft, foolishness, disobedience. Jesus was so simply and powerfully and plainly put before them. Paul says, why are you not using your head? Who has come along and taught you something that would cause you to be disobedient to the truth? And then notice the second question Paul asks them. Paul says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? In verse 2, are you looking at it? If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, the key word here is receive. In other words, they didn't get saved by doing the law, but by the hearing of the gospel and the receiving it by faith. And then notice the third question. Are you so foolish? In verse 3, having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh? The key word here is begun. In other words, it's foolish to start out trusting and relying on the Holy Spirit and then to move to trusting and relying on the flesh. And that's what these Galatians were doing. They were trusting in the spirit when they first got saved. But then these Judaizers are coming back and saying, yes, that's good, but you also need to keep the law. You also need to be circumcised. So they began in the spirit and now they're seeking to be made perfect in the flesh by keeping the laws of Moses and the dietary laws and things like that. So, you began in the spirit. Do you think you will be perfected in the flesh by circumcising and a keeping of the dietary laws? And then the fourth question, it's in verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? Go ahead and look at verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? Well, the key word here, Bible students, underline that, suffered. You see, the Galatians suffered ostrac, being ostracized and persecution for the sake of the gospel. If they turned to works, all that suffering would be in vain. And then the fifth and final question, he says, therefore, in verse 5, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The key word is miracles. You might remember as Paul came to Lystra, there was a man who was healed and who had never walked And Paul said, did all of that happen by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, obviously, by faith. You see, we have to be careful about that today. The Lord is doing a work in the Spirit. You know, it makes me think of, I didn't think of this first service, but it makes me think of, you know, Calvary Chapel. Back in the 60s, some of y'all remember, God began to use Chuck Smith to reach out to the hippies in Southern California, and they were all drugged out. And a bunch of those drugged out hippies now have some of the largest churches in the country. It's true. And they're good friends of mine. <laughs> What's that say about me? And, um, but, you know, and God began to do that work in the spirit. And now we have two, three generations of Calvary Chapel. I think I'm about third generation Calvary Chapel pastor. And my co-laborers in this third generation. And God did that in the spirit. And I've watched over the years, as I know quite well the history of Calvary Chapel, as many people have sought to go out and model exactly what Chuck Smith did. I praise God for Chuck Smith. If, if, if God had not used, I can tell you this, if God had not used that man to do that work way back when I was one, well, I just told y'all how old I am, didn't I? Oh, some of y'all can't do the math. Okay, good. I thank God for that. Because God did a work in him in the Spirit. And because of what God began then in the Spirit, Now, I'm a product of that. But what I have seen is that God began that work in Chuck Smith. Y'all stay with me just for a second, okay? What God did in the 60s with the Calvary Chapel movement, I have watched men and pastors come and they try to replicate and duplicate that exact same thing. And so they try to get in the pulpit and they teach like Pastor Chuck. They act like Pastor Chuck. I mean, you've seen, and they stand like Pastor Chuck or rub their head like Pastor Chuck, and he tends to rub his head, and you know, and you can tell. And it's like, I think it's a wonderful thing that God did that work in Pastor Chuck, but that's what God did in the spirit in the 60s. Now, God wants to continue to use each and every man and woman of God to do a work in them in the spirit and not to try to replicate that in the flesh. Because you can you can you can try. God can do a work in the spirit. You're trying to do that same work, but now you're doing it in the flesh because it wasn't inspired by the spirit in you. And you find yourself defeated and frustrated. I have found. The best way to be used of God is to say, God, you began to work in me in the spirit. Now, Lord, use me by your spirit and who you made Rodney and what you did in Rodney. Use that, Lord, to, to bring glory to you. I've had people come and tell me, well, you know, when we first, especially when we first got started. Not so much anymore. But they would say, well, you know, this is a nice church, but man, well, you know, it's a nice church, but you're not Pastor Chuck. Oh, it's a nice church, but you're not Bob Coy. Oh, it's a nice church, but you're not Greg Laurie. I'm like, I know I'm not Greg Laurie, Chuck or Bob. I'm black, they're white. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I said it. Okay, so what? Not only that, but I'm not trying to be like them. Because I realize, (laughs) thank you. I realize that that's not the way God moves. God did a work. This church is very different than many Calvary chapels. The thing that Calvary Chapel has in common is that we teach the Word of God verse by verse and we believe in the infallibility and the inerrancy of Scripture and we believe that it needs to be taught verse by verse to the people. And we believe that people need to have an opportunity to worship. Those two things we will find in every single Calvary Chapel. But every single Calvary Chapel pastor is different, should be different. Because God began a work in the spirit in the 60s. And God began a new work in the 70s. And God began a new work in the 80s and the 90s and 2000. And after I'm gone, God will be doing another work in another generation. And we can't be trying to perpetuate what God has done in the spirit, in the flesh. You know, as God uses pastors here to go out and start other churches, don't try to be like me. Say, Lord, take me and use me for who you've called me to be in the spirit. You can't begin and you can't even expect God to bless the flesh. God don't bless mess. <laughs> flesh. He only blesses the work of the Spirit. And Paul says, hey, who has bewitched you, that which God began in the Spirit, you now seek to be made perfect in the flesh. Church is growing. Church is doing great. I see many pastors start out well. And they've, they they start out with the right heart. Start out with the right desire and the right motive that people might know God. But somehow, listen, that which was begun in the spirit turned into a work of the flesh. And so the church begins to grow. And then, the, and then God did that in the spirit. And now the pastor starts thinking, the leadership starts thinking, how can we get the church to continue to grow? Well, let's get one of those companies that do, you know, demographic studies of our area and find out exactly what do people want in church. And then we'll get that in our church and then our church will grow. That's the work of the flesh. You know, people want Starbucks in church. People want McDonald's in church. I've got no problems with that. But don't begin to work or seek the, for God who's beginning to work in the Spirit to bless something that now you're doing in the flesh. And that's what Paul is saying. And then he uses Abraham, notice, as exhibit A in verse 6. Go ahead and peek at it in your Bibles. As Abraham who believed God by faith. You see, before the law was given, before Moses, Abraham was declared righteous. The Jewish people, listen, are the literal seed of Abraham. But those who believe by faith are the spiritual children of Abraham. And then in verse 8. God has laid this out in the scriptures, the plan of salvation to Abraham, and that through him all nations, plural, are you watching it? Look at it, shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now we need to understand, saints, listen. Abraham was not righteous because of his good works. Abraham was not righteous because he deserved it. As a matter of fact, Joshua tells us when God called Abraham, he lived with his father. Abraham's father's name was Terah, T-E-R-A-H. And he was a Terah, T-E-R-R-O-R. Many Jewish scholars believe that Abraham's family, listen, owned and operated a successful idol store. If you were here Wednesday night, you saw that picture that Roger showed of the, this Hindu man, and he had all these gods, these images of gods. Did you see that? That's striking. It, he must have had 400 different gods carrying them around on a cart. Now, you know you're in trouble when you got to cart your god around. <laughs> Say amen, saints. Yeah. If i got to cart my god around, I'm going to be God. But many, many Bible scholars believe that Abraham and his family, they, 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 had, they sold idols. So when God, here's my point, are you listening? When God called Abraham, Abraham was an idol-worshiping Gentile who sold idols in a store. Probably like Idols Are Us or something like that. And God at that point called Abraham. Are y'all with me, people? It was at that point that God called Abraham and told him to pack it up and go to a land that I will show you and that I'll lead you to the promised land. And it was there that God told Abraham through him all the earth would be blessed. It was there that God gave Abraham a covenant. It was there that Isaac was born And then Jacob, and God changed his name to Israel. And Jacob had 12 sons, and thus the beginning of the Jewish nation and the Hebrew people. And Abraham had nothing to do with God's blessings. He believed God, the Bible says, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Here's my point. This whole Christian life and this whole thing of being made righteous is a work of faith. And it's a work of grace and you receive the spirit by faith and you begin walking with the Lord by faith and not by the works of the law. And when you first got saved, listen to me. When you first got saved, you first got saved simply by faith. I remember when I got saved. And it was simply by faith. I responded to the call. The Holy Spirit drew me, and I responded to that call, and I did it by faith. And the next day, January 23rd, 1982, is when I got saved. And January 24th, I woke up. I couldn't believe I was a Christian. I I couldn't believe I was going to heaven. I could not believe it. My whole life was changed. And I thought I had to tell every single person I ever meet. So I was an annoying Christian Christian. I know I was. I mean, I drove people crazy. I remember I got saved on a Saturday. I told you. you guys know? I'll tell you again. I got saved on a Saturday. I went to church I went to, I went to church on Monday. I, I actually did go to church on my head of revival. but I went to church with the work on Monday morning, walked to the office, and I told people, I said, "Hey, people, listen, I just need to make an announcement to my office." I said, "I want you to know that prior to this weekend, I was going to hell. And and now, and then Saturday night, God changed my life, and now I'm going to heaven. And uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I want you all to know that you're all going to hell. And people were like, what are you smoking? I mean, were like, I was crazy. And everything at that point was just so simple. But then somehow, we come to faith Simply, we come to Christ simply by faith, but somehow along the way, we begin to grow. This is what happens. We begin to grow and we start to become more spiritual. Somehow you become, you you begin to perfect your spirituality. I'm not talking to anybody here. I know that. But we begin to perfect our spirituality. And our love now, this very simple love, turns into discernment. <laughs> you know, just a simple love. I remember going to church, I was, simple Christian. Pastor said, greet one another. Man, I, I used to bear hug people. I'd walk around. I just got became a Christian like two hours ago, you know. And I'd made the best say, now greet one another. Man. Well, greet one another. I greet man, I'm getting God's bear, I'm killing people. I can't breathe, no, I'm give, give each other a holy kiss. I'm licking people, man. I'm like <laughs> You know, everything was just so simple then. And then we and then we start to grow, and then we start to be more discerning, and then we start to look down on other people, and we begin to take for granted the grace that was freely given to us and this gospel that we believed simply, we begin to take that for granted, and we start to forget. And then we learn some scripture out of context and we begin to apply that to people. Nobody here, but we begin to apply that to other people. And that is what draws us and puts us in that place of legalism and judgmentalism to people. You became a Christian simply by faith and belief in Jesus had nothing to do with you. It was the grace of God that called you while you were an idol-worshipping Gentile. Don't forget that. Don't look down on people when they come to church quote-unquote inappropriately dressed. Don't look down on people when they come to church and they've got tattoos and earrings through their nose and a bone through their nose and stuff. I mean, it's a little shocking, but don't look down on them. We do that. Forgetting that, listen... You were not where you were the day that you, that you are, the day you got saved. You know, you've been a Christian for 25 or 30 years. You look at somebody else who's been a Christian for 25 minutes, and they're supposed to be as spiritual as you are. You've had your ups and your downs, and you've had your times of peaks and valleys, and you've had your time to grow and mature. Be gracious toward one another. And don't be so hard on each other. Because God's been gracious to you.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923.